Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sara Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Michelle Hoskin. Now, Michelle is well known for her endless enthusiasm and energy, infectious personality, and unique outlook on what she describes as a magical profession. With more than 20 years' experience working alongside some of the world's most successful financial services, Michelle is an internationally recognized author, speaker, and coach. And she's joining me today to talk about financial abuse. So I am super excited to welcome Michelle Hoskin to the show. Welcome, Michelle. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, I'm very excited to have you. I think this is a really, really important topic we're going to talk about today together. But please put us in the picture a bit about you and how you've come to do the amazing work that you do. Absolutely. So I um, I suppose my, my main area of expertise is with mainly within the financial services sector. So as a business, my business, which is Standards International, um, is actually a, a standard setting and coaching and certification body in financial services. So our clients are banks, building societies, financial advisors, financial planners, um, any organisation really that advises coaches, humans, individuals, consumers on any matters to do with finance. Um, and I've been doing this for 25 years nearly. Um, and obviously when I started, I was a, you know, I was a female in a very, very male dominated men's world really at the time, still is to a degree. Um, and over the years, we just delivered more and more training and coaching programs to financial planners and advisors and within the financial services sector. And the most recent, um, the area that we've got into is obviously financial and economic harm, and mainly a lot around consumer vulnerability, because wherever there's money, of course, there is um, an opportunity for someone to exert power. And also there's vulnerability in, in that area. So, yeah, it's taken me all over the world talking about, you know, the stuff that we talk about, like you, um, you know, and I'm so passionate about it. And as I just said to you before, I think any anything that takes power away from an individual um, that's really, you know, taken by another individual just fuels me with such anger. And it's just it's just got it's just not on. So I think that's a big driver for me to to do, keep going and doing what I'm doing. So, yeah, so I'm delighted to be with you. Really am. Oh, thanks, Michelle. I mean, this is such a big topic and I've definitely seen an increase since the pandemic of people talking about financial and economic abuse what what do you mean specifically by that those terms for people listening who aren't quite sure what what does that mean I mean there's some great charities doing some great work that have the most amazing definitions of these things but I think for me if I was to almost in interpret it in my way so I think you know even I've listened to some of the stuff you've done before um I think you know we've we've all got this right as a human to have everything around us that gives us the greatest opportunity to thrive. I mean, ultimately, there is nothing finer in life than achieving your potential. 
And I think we all need a, a, a certain, you know, look about, look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We have a set of needs for us to be economically well, for us to be economically stable and to thrive in life. I mean, it's, you know, in simple terms. And I think for me to be economically empowered um, is the greatest gift we have. And it should be our absolute right as humans to have that. I think when somebody uses um, control or where care moves into control, because sometimes, you know, the reason, Sarah, that you, you know, you've heard lots more about it in, you know, since COVID is because often care, someone's care over another, whether it be their economic well-being or money or whatever, has got out of hand and has turned into control. And sometimes the perpetrators don't even realize they're doing it. Right. So I think economic harm and economic abuse is where somebody simply just, you know, takes away, restricts, sabotages, just prevents somebody from being economically empowered and economically well. Um, and obviously financial abuse and financial harm is where they specifically use money to do that. Um, and it can come in all shapes and sizes, as I'm sure we're going to talk about. Um, but, you know, nobody has any right to have any control over another human being in any way that's not in the, you know, the person's best interest. No, nobody has the right to do that over another person. So, so yeah, that's that's kind of my take on, on it. And there's many other, you know, definitions and, and there's oodles on the internet to explain it further. But that's that's kind of my you know, my heartfelt view on it, really. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a great explanation, by the way. It, it's something, though, that can creep up, isn't it, in, yeah. in over a period of time. So you may not realise it's happening. And I know, you know, for me, but for many of my clients who were in toxic relationships, you know, it doesn't happen on day one. It, I mean, mm. looking back, there's definitely warning signs. You know, I had a client the other day who was told, yeah, you must open, yeah, you must put all your bank accounts into one once we're married, because that's what marriage is. We share everything. So close down all your savings accounts, close down all your other accounts, put it all into this one account, this joint account. And I'm going to do the same, said the perpetrator. Um, but you go ahead. Let's do it. Let's do it. Come on. Have you done it yet? And put pressure on her. You know, well, don't you love me? Don't you trust me? Kind of questions. Anyway, she did it. But then, you know, a few weeks later, realised that he still hadn't closed his savings account, his other account, his sort of other fund that he had that he was running. And suddenly it entered on her. He was never going to do that. And now she had put everything into this one account, um, and which made her very vulnerable, I guess, right from the get go. But she was doing it from a place of trust and, and love and thought, well, OK, if that's what my partner wants me to do to feel loved, then I'll do it. Is this something that you see, these sort of slow cases where it starts like that and then all control is removed? Yeah, I mean, I think the best the best visual analogy of that was a little while back. I mean, I picked it up off somebody else's, you know, Facebook or Instagram, but it was it was a picture of um, a massive like, you know, stainless steel kitchen vat and there was a frog in it. And the sort of the caption and the sort of the dialogue was, you know, if you put if you put a frog into a, a vat of cold water and warm up the temperature, that frog will not try and escape because by the time it's boiling hot, effectively, the warmth of the water getting to boiling point has depleted all the frog's energy and resources versus if you dropped a frog into boiling water, it would scramble to get out. 
So I think this is where the piece around coercive control comes in, that repeated pattern of behaviour. I think, I think very simply, and I think we have to make this really simple, we've all got, as, as males, females, you know, whatever gender, we've got this radar and we know we've all got it and it's called our instinct. And, you know, 200 million years ago, it kept us alive when the saber-toothed tiger was running into our cave, right? And I think for whatever reason, we either slowly turn it off ourselves because of life or we allow somebody to turn it off for us. And I think one of the biggest things that anybody listening to this is to trust their instincts. And if ever there is a feeling of, I feel vulnerable or I feel I'm being overpowered, then there is something wrong. And you have to trust that gut instinct. So I'm one of these people that it's almost like a like I'm on this, I've got this radar, this, you know, this instinct, gut instinct radar. And it and it just it it alarms me. It like it, you know, it goes off when I know something's wrong. So and I think if you know, if you've got anybody in a position that, you know, love we know, you know, you should be loved in a way that you feel free. Now, if you're feeling overpowered or in any way, um, you know, made to feel guilty, that's not love. Love doesn't make you feel guilty. So I think, I think we've just got to trust that gut instinct, really. Yeah. I think if we did that more, we'd probably be all, we'd be better. Do you know what I mean? We'd be a bit less vulnerable, I think. It's, it's such good advice. And I know that from, from my own experience and clients that you know, often we stop trusting our own instinct when you're in a toxic relationship because you, you're, it's always being questioned by somebody else anyway or being put down so your confidence is eroded. So you think, oh, maybe I'm wrong. I must be wrong. Oh, I'm always wrong. You're not. And before that, you know it. You're not even listening to it. I mean, I had a client who every time she went to work, she, if she bought a coffee or a sandwich or anything, she had to bring it home. And her husband would be waiting in the evening to go through all her receipts from the day. And would then she would then have to justify why she bought a coffee rather than taking one in from home. But she was saying to me, but wasn't that because he was trying to look after the finances, Sarah? He was just trying, you know, we were living, you know, we didn't have much money. Sometimes maybe I did spend too much. And I think maybe he was just really trying to look after and protect the money we had. Well, what would you say to somebody in that scenario? Well, again, it's the overpower empower. You know, if he loved her tr truly, let's imagine he didn't. And he was just, you know, he was just a narcissist who was basically exerting his power over her. Right. Which is likely in that story. But, you know, if somebody loves you and they sit down and go, listen, you know, really, we need to be really careful with the money. You can tell when someone's being genuine and genuinely caring, you know, somebody who is concerned about the family wealth or, you know, the savings or the, you know, that we're living through an energy crisis probably at the moment, aren't we full on? You know, so if someone says, you know, really, darling, we you know we really should be quite careful. That's soft. It's calm. And actually that that person B is actually empowering the wife or the second, you know, the person to think about their choices, not, well, why have you spent this? Why have you spent that? Because that's overpowering. And I think, again, part of that trust in your gut conversation is if you feel empowered, that's love. You know, people who love you make you feel empowered. They, they want you to thrive, right? Anybody that overpowers and this is in business, in intimate relationships, in family relationships. 
um, you know, those that empower you, yes, those that overpower you are, are bad. You know, even my little daughter, you know, Ruby's, Ruby's quite an independent 12 year old and I empower Ruby to make great choices. I don't rule her with an iron rod. And that's just my relationship with my daughter. So I think I think it's this overpower versus, you know, empower anyone that feels overpowered. They don't deserve to be in that situation. And, and quite frankly, they there's no need for them to be in that situation. I love that overpower versus empower. I don't think I've ever yeah. heard those two words together. Yeah. I think that's, that's really, that's really powerful actually just to hear that because I yeah. think it makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's easy to understand because I think if they're, they're easy emotions. If you're feeling overpowered, we know what that feels like, even if we're distressed, even yeah. if we're normalizing it, minimalizing yeah. it, trying to explain it away to ourselves and other people. I think that really, that really helps. So you know, I know you deal with people going through these situations. You know, what's your advice and, and where can people go if they do find that they are in this situation? I'm going to share a story. And actually, this story was shared with me by um, a charity, um, uh, one of the representatives, one of the coaches. And, and she told me a story about a victim survivor who was in a situation that she, she felt helpless. She actually went to um, a, um, a professional um, lawyer. She went to a solicitor, this lady, and she explained her situation. Now, in what level she explained her situation, we won't know, but she explained her situation. And the lawyer was unable to help her. And um, then she went to see a financial advisor and the financial advisor was also unable to help her. And for various reasons, um, you know, obviously because she'd been effectively knocked back, um, a short time after going to see those two professional advisors, unfortunately, she, she was successful in taking her own life. And the reason that when I, when I heard that story, um, it made me realize that, you know, she was probably two people away from an action plan to get herself out of that situation. And I think what I would say first and foremost is confide in as many people as you feel safe to work colleagues, friendship groups, mums at the school, a doctor, because there are way, way, way more people now are very aware of this. And, you know, campaigns recently like the HSBC campaign where there was the hand on the billboard um, you know, if they control your finances, they control you. So I think there's a lot more mainstream. So I think what I would say, the first thing is, is use your kind of circle. And even if that circle is tiny because you've been isolated and separated from those that you love, go to a doctor, go to a bank, go to a, a health food shop, anywhere. I mean, anywhere where you feel safe to do so and, and explain that you feel you're in, in some sort of harm. Now, if five people can't help you because they don't know what to do, go to the sixth, go to the seventh, go to the eighth, go to the ninth and keep going until somebody helps you. Because that poor lady went to two people, neither of them had the skills or the abilities to help her. And now she's she's dead. And she might have gone to one more person that's done my training or done your training that was like, I've got you. Let's let's get you through this. Who knows? Right. I mean, I, I just I mean, Michelle, I know you see this all the time. I see it. I mean, you know, the professionals who are going to be dealing with victims of abuse have no 
training yeah. in what domestic abuse is, how it shows up, what to do, how yeah. to protect people. I mean, it's it should be compulsory. And that Absolutely. makes me so angry because Absolutely. I just understand how it's okay. You know, there's enough people shouting about it, talking about it now for people to say, look, we need to do this. And I do see a change. I, I do see that some firms are now stepping up and saying, you know, we need to do this. But whether it's ticking a box or whether it's because they actually are going to take that information and, and use it, I, I'm yet to be convinced. I know some some yeah. people, some professionals obviously are way ahead of others, and that's great to see. But I just don't really understand how this can still be allowed to happen in this day and age, do you? I know, I know. And and I think this is where, you know, so so I went on, um, I went on a, on the TV um back in July. And um, the, 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 the interviewer was quite controversial. And he was, he said to me, he said, so, you know, you train financial advisors and financial planners. He said, what's, what's financial abuse and domestic violence got to do with them? Right. Something like that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but, but I, I, I actually smiled. Like I was a bit like, is he joking? <laughs> I was a bit like that. But then I thought, I said to him, you said, you know what? I said, it's not, a, it's not the duty of financial advisors and financial planners. It's the duty of everybody, everybody. Now, I, you know, I, I certified as a financial abuse specialist, um, you know, because if, if, you know, if I find that one of my mum friends is, is, is in harm or so it's like it's it's almost like knowing how to use a defib in my mind. Like everybody needs to know how to use a defib in, in case someone has a heart attack in the street. Right. So I think you're right. I think everybody needs to have these skills. I think in terms of the signposting, I think what I would say is there's never, ever been more information out there than there is today. I mean, it's incredible. And I think, you know, and we'll put the link if you're happy to do so in the show notes. But, you know, we've got um, a guide that you can just pick up off the website. It's not you don't have to give your contact details. Um, and it's basically a resources guide and it's to self-help books. It's to, um, you know, charities. Um, and it's just and just go to them, just pick up the phone, um, you know, go on their in, go on their website, pick up on Facebook. They're everywhere. These these organizations. And actually, if you feel safer, you may feel safer tapping into a charity that's overseas. That's actually not in the UK because you might feel a bit vulnerable doing that. They're all over the world. Um, but what I would say is, I think and I think this is really important. You know, there's an awful lot of. Um, you know, victim survivors, victims who are surviving the relationship that they're in, inside the family home or inside that intimate relationship. And we know that people often feel safer inside the environment than outside of the environment. So I think what we're talking about is not, oh, you've got to leave him or leave her. I think it's about making yourself safe. And if you are safer inside then that's part of your action plan. Hi, it's Sarah Davison here, the Divorce Coach. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. I just wanted to let you know about a free gift I've got for you, which I know will help you if you're struggling with your breakup or divorce right now. I'd like to offer you a free week's membership of my Heartbreak to Happiness online support group sessions with unlimited access to any of the groups during this time. So what are they? Well, these are friendly and confidential online support groups run by my accredited coaches. 
I've designed them to ensure that you know you're not alone and there is help and support out there to help you cope better. One delegate, Jane, said after her first session, I can't believe how much better I feel in just one hour. Another delegate, Wendy, said, my friends and family are so fed up of hearing me talk about this and now I finally feel like I've found my tribe. I've designed these sessions so you'll meet other people going through similar situations and you'll be able to share your story in a safe space. My specialist coaches are all trained personally by me and are there to offer support and help to enable you to dial down those negative emotions and let go of your ex. So I wanted to make a special offer to all my podcast listeners, which is a free week's access to this unique support. It means that you will have access to as many support sessions as you would like to attend in a week. And we've got lots of days and different times to choose from. This is a great way to start to take your power back and help you feel more empowered. Remember, as I always say, it's not what happens to you that defines you. It's what you do about it that makes you the person you are. So sign up now at www.saradavison.com forward slash support group. That's saradavison.com forward slash support group to claim your free gift and to move from your heartbreak to happiness. There is oodles of resources available. You know, I was only looking on Facebook the day and, you know, Surviving Economic Abuse is our most wonderful charity here in the UK. You know, Dr. Nicola Sharp Jeffs and her team are doing incredible work. You know, they were so instrumental in having the Domestic Abuse Act change to include economic abuse in stature. I mean, what an amazing achievement. And she deserves a OBE 10 times over. And I think... I think there is a, there's, there's an incredible amount of work still to do, but there's an awful lot of work that's been done. And I think you've just yeah. got to Google it, you know, speak to, I mean, we're, we're doing a whole project at the moment with employers, you know, um, particularly within financial services, because their most vulnerable people could be in their workforce. So, you know, speak to your, your boss or speak to the boss, you know, the employer of your friend or just, just speak, speak out speak out you know loud loud and clear and have the confidence to do that yeah I think that's the thing isn't it it's that having the confidence when you've lived your life being fearful probably for a very long period of time and it's kind of that domino effect if you speak up about that what's the ripple effect and how's that going to impact your security your lifestyle where you live so I think, you know, I mean, and that is what abuse is. It is designed to keep you stuck. It's designed to keep you trapped. It's designed to give you the illusion that, you know, in this, you know, in this sort of bubble that you're living in, that is the best place for you. Now, you know, obviously you can't move out of that unless you know it's safe to do so. And that's going to take support, which is why reaching out and making that first, you know, step confidentially. And I love the idea about even reaching out to somebody outside of the country, because I think yeah. that does have a different sort of feel to it as well um but yeah I mean these these stories are you know they come thick and fast in my coaching clinic you know it's not a one-off anymore it's something that's happening a lot and financial abuse doesn't usually stand alone does it it's usually it is a form of coercive control which keeps you stuck but there's other forms of abuse that are related to that as well right 
Yeah, I think um, I think one of the one of the most horrifying stats that I think I ever read, and I think depending on which survey you're reading, which white paper, of course, but, you know, it's something like, you know, in 95% of domestic abuse cases, there's you know, this financial abuse. So in my very simple head, you know, if, you, if you're talking about the, the clients that I serve, i.e. financial services, you know, if the if the receptionist at HSBC Bank or, you know, if one of my advisors within one of my client practices, you know, spots economic abuse or financial abuse, the likelihood is that they're also going to spot another form of abuse. And that's way easier that way than them spotting domestic abuse first. Right. And, and it's interesting. So, you know, you asked me at the, at the beginning around, you know, sort of my story. And, and honestly, Sarah, my story is subtle in comparison to many. But, you know, if I was a different type of person, for sure, I would have absolutely been a victim of financial abuse. There was no question. But I'm a feisty girl from the north and I was having absolutely none of it. But I paid for most things, holidays, you know, appliances. My money did it. And, and slowly and surely, you know, my partner at the time was basically trying to deplete my savings. And there's lots of stories which, you know, I could share. But but effectively, what I realized when we actually ended the relationship and what was interesting was he actually went on to find somebody with more money than me who thought he shot the stars out of the sky. But what she will soon realize is that he won't shoot stars out of the sky and basically he'll bleed her for everything that she's got. But by the by, one of the things that I realized when he eventually dumped me, all oh, the irony of it, um, <laughs> was it happens that, that way, doesn't it? Right, often, yeah. Because he'd, he'd basically got all he wanted, in truth, was kind of, if you simplify it, that's that's how I felt at the time. But anyway, so I sat in a car park after we, the relationship had ended, and I was like, now I see, because... I was a, let's, you know, let's big me up for a second just to make the story, right? I was a successful, powerful, independent, financially secure female. I could pretty much do everything that he could do, including take the wheelie bins out and fix my car, right? I could do it. I could do all the man jobs and I could do all the girl jobs. And I think what I realized was that the reason that men are moving not I'm not saying they're moving away from domestic abuse physical sexual but they're moving more into that economic form of abuse I in my view only this is that it's because it's their way of kind of re-dominating the environment like because I, I didn't need this guy I wanted him around but I didn't need him and he needed to exert that masculinity over me. And, and he did it through the ways that he did it. And I think that is very, very, very common is that the gender, the gender balance is changing. Like women are super powerful. I mean, you know, think about us all as, as girlfriends and, you know, parents, you know, our children don't need us to save them from saber toothed tigers anymore. Our friends don't need us to save them from saber toothed tigers. They need, us to tap into their emotional well-being and I think that's potentially where men and I'm generalizing absolutely fall short of the abilities so that they know they're losing their grasp so they overpower when it comes to the areas that they can and that's suppression that's degrading that's humiliating and so on and then it just spirals and some of the smartest women and most financially stable women have been victims of terrible terrible abuse they've been told they should have known better but they don't even know it's happening which goes back to your original point you don't even see it coming yeah yeah very often you don't 
So you're talking very much like this happens to women, but it can happen to men too, yes. right? It does. And what's even more worrying about that is, is that, you know, they the stats show that it's like one in seven men. It's definitely more in one in seven men. Right. But they just don't report it. You know, so who knows whether the figures are 50 50? Who knows? But there's no way. I mean, I, I know of a friend who was physically abused and probably economically and financially abused by his wife. No, I only found out by accident literally because I, I picked up on something that was he's still with her so subtle in his comment and I thought I know what you mean by that because I'm trained in this area right I spotted it but nobody knows not his parents not his brothers and sisters and I picked it up on a subtle word that he, he was taught he, he, he used in a sentence and I was like that is a massive red alarm bell but yeah. they just don't report it and I think there's a pride element to it um, you know, who's going to go to their mates at football and go just to let you know, you know, my wife's keeping all my money from me. The boys will be like, are you for real? Right. And yeah. and you know, one of the I mean, I can't even remember the specific stat because, I, you know, it's just come to my head about this thing. But I think it's like 34 percent of males who are in economically abusive relationships, food is used as a mechanism of control, i.e. their intimate partner restricts or overfeeds the victim survivor. Food is used as a method, as a mechanism of control. And I'm, and I'm reading this stuff just going, I, this, I can't even believe this is a thing. I can't believe yeah. it's a thing. And it is. I mean, it is shocking. It is shocking. And I don't know whether it's something that is happening more or whether we're just more aware of it now. I think, we're seeing. I think it's more it's aware. It's also, yeah, I, it's not just in intimate relationships. Like I see people controlling vulnerable um, people through, yeah. oh, this is your bill. Well, hang on, you didn't sign that bill off. Yeah, you, oh, yeah, but remember this, remember that. You know, in, professionals do this sometimes yeah. as well. You know, I see it in some of the toxicity of the family courts. Yeah, there's a lot of billing that goes on to people trying to get out of relationships, whether that's from sort of legal or therapists. You know, and and there's, I mean, I've seen so many examples of where people who are vulnerable, you know, their bills are extortionate, yeah. and they shouldn't be, but they're vulnerable at the time, and that again is financial and economic abuse, in my opinion. That's not okay. Not and I think you know, there's so much, there's so much of this across the board that just even talking to you today, Michelle, it's great because it's shining a light that this is happening. And yeah. you know, if it's happening to you, then do reach out. And if it's happened to somebody you know, then obviously you know now that this is a real thing and this is something that you know people need to take seriously, right? They do. And I think, you know, going back to my point around, you know, we all have a, a, a duty of care. I think I think that's that's like my favorite little collection of words. I think we all have, you know, we are particularly in the UK. We are very stiff or polite, traditional British. It's not my business. What's it got to do with me? And that's that's a generational thing. Right. And and I think um I think we do need to speak out more. And I think one of the things that we teach in our uh, in our course is almost like the way to approach it. So let's imagine you and I were really great friends or a, co a work colleague. And I'd spotted something again. My gut instinct was saying there's, there's something not right there. And it could the, the signs could be endless or, or there could be one sign. Who knows? And I could say to you. Um, so I, what I would say to you is, Sarah. Um, you know when 
um, and you put the thing in. So you know when, um, you know, Brian overrules you when you're having conversations or you know when, you know, you say that you'll only buy clothes in the sale or you know when sometimes, you know, you, you cancel us for coffee, right? So you know, so you, so you know when, so you explain mm. the event or time. Um, then I would say that makes me feel really sad for you. That makes me feel really uncomfortable. That makes me feel quite angry. And the reason we say I feel is because I'm not accusing anybody. And you can't say to me, no, you don't feel like that. Because you can't. And you wouldn't even as a human, you wouldn't go, well, you don't feel sad for me. How can somebody say that? You can't, right? So it's when this happens, it makes me feel. And then I would ask a question to you, which is, how does that make you feel? Or does that happen often? Or is that a frequent event? Or does that make you feel sad too? Very calm, very unthreatening, a nice environment to ask this question, almost coming from a, a position of care. And then you ask the question, and, and actually probably what you'll get is either, don't be so ridiculous, and it will just be excuses after brushing under the carpet, under the carpet. And that itself, from the victim survivor's perspective, says a lot because they're making mm. excuses and effectively lying. But they can't argue with what you've said because you haven't actually said anything, right? You've not said, and he says this and he does that, and all right. And and then if they if they depending on their response, and again, you trust it because you've got instinct. If you then say to them, OK, well, if you ever want to talk about it, I'm here to listen without any judgment whenever you're ready to talk about it, if and when you're ready to talk about it. And sometimes that's all you can do. But you know what? Sometimes that's enough. That could be enough. And then yeah. if a person then confides in you, then you help them with researching on the internet, charities, going to meetings on their behalf, you know, keeping a savings pot of money for them, you know, whatever it takes, because yeah. um, we all have that duty. And and one thing, just quickly, so just while it's in my head, if that's okay, I think one thing that's key is, is not to say to somebody, you know, why don't you leave? Why don't you leave? The question is actually, what are they doing to make you feel like you need to stay? That's the question. And I think yeah. the answer to that is going to be more deflective from them. Like, they're at, why are you staying? Why don't you leave? What are they doing that means you feel like you need to stay? That feels like you yeah. can't go, that you can't move forward. And I think these little subtle sentences, I think they are, I think they're life changing for some people when delivered really That's well. Yeah, I mean, that is such good advice, Michelle, because actually we need to learn how to ask people, you know, and, and confront the issues rather than just sticking our heads in the sand, which I think is the, you know, sometimes the easiest thing to do, but it's not helping. But also it's important to recognise that people aren't doing things about this. One, because maybe they're normalising it, or two, because they're scared. If they know that if if they address that one thing, then there's so many other things. It's almost like the tip of the iceberg. You know, financial abuse is rarely just financial abuse. There's usually lots of other types of abuse associated to that. And the, the ripple effect on the rest of their lives from addressing that is, you know, and will be pretty big. So, I mean, this is all such great advice. So if people want to find out more about you, Michelle, and what you do, where can they go to find out more? 
Yeah, well, absolutely. So um, so the business that obviously does the training and, and runs the certification scheme for professionals is standardsinternational.co.uk. I am obviously on Facebook. Um, I'm on Facebook as Little Miss Wow, which is my stage name. <laughs> Don't ask. That's for a whole other Enjoy. podcast. Uh, Instagram, <laughs> Instagram is Little Miss Wow. Um, and also on uh, on Twitter as well. Um, yeah, and I, w- I would love to reach out, you know, anyone to reach out who I suppose, you know, is is wanting to sort of better their skills and just be that person that has the knowledge and the understanding of it. And and I think, you know, which it's like it's like I say, it's like being able to, you know, use a defibrillator. I think it's these are these are life skills that are absolutely essential. So. So, yeah. And, and while I'm on it, I just want to give a shout out to all the stuff that you're doing. I think, you know, your your stuff's so fab because it's just it's just so well presented and so easy to almost to to be part of it. Your mail to go out, you know, once you're on your mailing list, it's it's so fab. So, Sarah, I know there's an awful lot of emotional effort that goes into all these things. So, I mean, a massive shout out to you as well. Truly. Oh, thank you, Michelle. And for those people who are watching on YouTube, because I'm, this is on YouTube as well, for those of you listening to the podcast, Michelle is glowing. So you can totally see why she's called Little Miss Wow if you could actually see her. Um, so, yes, I could, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and Michelle, my final question that I ask all my guests on my podcast, um, the podcast, as you know, is called Heartbreak to Happiness. And I think that happiness is so important because even if you're going through super tough times, as we've been talking about, you can tap into that along the way if you know what it is so what is happiness for you Michelle? I think happiness well it's interesting because there's probably like 25 answers to that question but I think you know we're not we're not made of stone any of us and I think you know during Covid we've all had to you know scrape the bottom of the barrel a little bit to sort of you know bounce ourselves back I think for me happiness is when I wake up in the morning and then first few thoughts that pop into my head, none of them are troubling me, you know. So I think, you know, I wake up and I've got a smile and I look out my window and I think the littlest things make us happy. We know that. Um, and, I, you know, and I think I've I think I recognize what makes me happy. And I think, honestly, I've just removed everything that doesn't. And I think that's the biggest I suppose that that's the biggest move I've made in my life as I get to, you know, heading towards 50, thinking anything that doesn't bring me absolute joy is absolutely out the door because there's just no place for it in my life. So, you know, happiness is a gift. I deserve it, as do we all. So, yeah, happiness for me is just waking up in the morning, having a great night's sleep and knowing that my life is amazing and I've got so many amazing things around me, which we all have if we if we look hard enough, even in the most you know terrible situations. There's always those things to be grateful for and um you know to to pull pull in the power as i say i love it i love it let's all pull in the power as michelle says <laughs> and thank you for your time today michelle thank you so much for sharing pleasure. such really helpful and useful advice and for being such a fabulous guest pleasure thank you for having me that's it for today's episode. Do head on over to standardsinternational.co.uk to find out more about Michelle and all the great work that she does. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to Sarah's virtual Heartbreak to Happiness retreat. 
This is a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with her empowering online video program designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.